Hello and welcome to IdeaGen TV. Today we are excited to have with us Mohammed Yunus, the editor-in-chief at Gallup, who will, be, who will be discussing what the best do differently, the basic concepts in dynamic resiliency. Mohammed, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. We are excited to have you here. And with that, I will turn it over to you for your presentation. Thanks. I thought um, I'd really split my talk into two parts. Uh, first, I want to just go through, in terms of dynamic resiliency, what it felt like for us um, as we uh, were striving for it at Gallup over the past year of 2020. Um, and then I want to use the second half of my talk to really demonstrate how the best actually do in situations that demand dynamic resiliency, whether it's a, a corporation, um, a nonprofit, an organization of five people or 50,000 people, our sciences over the past several decades have shown that there are very basic things, um, but really critical things that organizations that are able to withstand the, uh, the turbulence of constant change, um, let alone a situation uh, like we're undergoing now with a global pandemic that's really pushed a lot of us off over the cliff in many ways. Um, as organizations. So let me back up and just start with what did 2020 uh, look like for us uh, at Gallup? We really did uh, two things in 2020 uh, to really demonstrate dynamic resiliency. Obviously, uh, we were hit just like everybody else uh, with uh, the workplace realities of not being connected anymore physically. We were very uh, fortunate because we're a pretty virtual organization. Um, so one thing we were blessed with is we actually had partnerships, long-standing partnerships that spoke directly to the challenges that 2020 faced. Um, I think the most obvious one uh, was our work with the Welcome Trust, uh, where we are polling the world on trust in vaccines and science. Um, and that research only became more critical uh, in 2020. We had great opportunities to share that with leaders, uh, with the public, and really raise awareness of this very interesting, um, I think, a counterintuitive reality that countries that are more in the emerging market category, developing nations, actually have a higher confidence um, in the safety of vaccines than many developed economies, like here in the United States, where 63% of Americans um, say they would take a vaccine today if it was available to them and FDA approved. Uh, it's interesting, too, to note that in the United States, we were studying um, how people fell with vaccines now, but also wanted to look back at history and going all the way back to 1957 with the polio vaccine, seen here in the US, it was about 57% of people that gave us that same exact answer. So we haven't seen a lot of change in trust in vaccines. And that's something, um, it's a topic where our work in partnership, um, both with Welcome Trust and also just our own reporting as an organization really became critical um, and on topic. Another way uh, we really leaned into our partnerships in 2020 is uh, with our partnership with Franklin Templeton, which was based around trying to understand here in the United States, what people were looking for in terms of getting back to normal, um, in terms of their uh, uh, economic activity, going out, uh, uh, buying products, et cetera. And uh, we continue to track that uh, throughout the year. Um, the other thing, of course, is how workplaces were upended. Um, and a lot of our work at Gallup uh, is focused on how the human factor plays out in uh, a team and particularly how a workplace uh, can create the kind of environment that attracts and keeps talent, especially in times of difficulty and turbulence. And that's a lot of what I'll be talking about in the second part of um, my talk today. 
some of our own initiatives uh, that we tried to step up with in 2020 to really uh, dig deep and try to really rise to the occasion, rise to the moment as an organization for our mission and purpose um, is just tracking America on what's happening with COVID. Uh, we very quickly activated our panel of uh, thousands, tens of thousands of respondents across the United States and continue to today to ask them about all the realities that come with living through a pandemic, um, attitudes about social distancing, confidence in access to healthcare, um, testing, et cetera. We continue to do that work and report on it uh, for the public. The other thing we did uh, over the summer, which was a, a really important milestone for us at Gallup, as the United States really focused on race relations um, and particularly racial inequities in policing, we uh, really paused and wanted to think about how we as an organization could step up in um, addressing or making a contribution, a humble contribution, um, in tracking the disparities uh, across racial lines in the United States. And we uh, made a hundred year commitment and launched something called the Gallup Center for Black Voices, uh, which is led by uh, two phenomenal uh, leaders at Gallup. Uh, and its mission is to track essentially the sustainable development goals, if you will, or the life outcomes of Americans who happen to be black in the United States and compare those to Americans at large and try to track exactly where those disparities occur. We've been uh, polling on race relations, of course, uh, for generations. Actually, in um, this summer, we had not seen the most important problem rise up on the top of minds of most Americans as race relations. We hadn't seen that since 1969. So we have always polled about issues around race relations, the civil rights movement. But this is really an attempt for us to do what we do globally with our partners at the UN and, and the World Bank and others, which is try to get down to those sustainable development goals, those basic metrics that can tell us whether or not goals are being achieved um, and um, really try to attempt to attack the multifaceted nature of life. Um, it's not just about police reform. Uh, it's also about economic opportunity. It's about realities in the workplace. And the Gallup Center for Black Voices um, was launched and will continue to do that work. Another uh, thing that we really accelerated was our CHRO roundtable led by uh, my good friend Larry Emond out of Irvine. This is the world's largest roundtable of folks who run the world's largest organizations. It's something that Gallup uh, had been building for years. And and COVID really gave us an opportunity to uh, accelerate the activity of that roundtable, to pull in literally the world's uh, human resource leaders at some of the largest companies across the globe to try to understand and have a place for them to also uh, exchange ideas, challenges, how they're tackling the pandemic, how they're tackling lockdowns. Um, many of these organizations um, like Gallup have operations across the entire globe. So the realities of those are all different. And of course, the world poll. Uh, how do you poll the world in an environment where face-to-face -face polling is not feasible um, and not safe in a lot of uh, situations? Uh, under the leadership of Rajesh Navasan, we worked very hard in 2020 to figure out how to get around uh, the challenge of not doing face-to-face -face polling. Um, and we're going to start reporting on some of our first um, during pandemic data, if you will, in January and February of this year on our, our page at news.gallup.com. There were also um, major operational shifts for us at Gallup. Uh, we conduct 
thousands of uh, in-person courses for tens of thousands of executive uh, leaders across the world, from Singapore to Latin America to the United States. And all of that went virtual, like all, orga all organizations. Um, and that was a huge challenge and undertaking for us. But like many organizations, um, we just uh, stuck with our core content. Um, we got some brilliant people uh, like Scott Miller and others across uh, our, our organization to really think about how do you deliver what is supposed to be a very impactful multi-day um, learning and growth experience for executive leadership um, on Zoom on uh, in a virtual world. So those are some of our very humble, um, uh, I say it with humility, achievements in 2020. There were a lot more to mention. I want to use the rest of my time to really share with you uh, all a few slides on what we've learned about how the best organizations actually um, achieve dynamic resiliency in times of difficulty. Um, I wanted to focus uh, my part of uh, this part of the talk on this because this is really applicable to anyone listening. Um, whether you're an organization, like I said, of five people or 50,000 people, whether you're a private sector or public sector organization, an NGO, a nonprofit, um, whether you're operating in an emerging market or a developed market, uh, whether you work in healthcare technology, no matter what you do, these concepts um, and these actions and activities have proven through millions of interviews and data points that I'll, I'll share kind of the meta-analysis with you, really define excellence in times of difficulty for organizations. Um, it is the defining factor of whether an organization can really demonstrate the resilience and agility to be able to rise to uh, the challenges that we are all now facing and will continue to face uh, as the pandemic unfolds. So for the second half of my talk, I wanted to share with you a few learnings um, from our work at Gallup that really demonstrate how the best organizations really do demonstrate that dynamic resiliency. Um, it's really based on two concepts that I want to share with you today. There's a lot more to it, but it comes down to engagement and how you lead. Um, an engaged, focused strategy for any organization is one that produces sustainable high performance. Essentially, in a time where everything is virtual and we live in a world of big data, what our research has shown is that the human factor is actually the most important factor for any organization's ability to really rise above the competition no matter what you do. Humans are still the most important asset of any firm or organization, no matter your uh, focus and no matter your location. I wanted to take a chance to explain first, before we get into what is in engagement and employee engagement, why does it matter? It matters because our world is changing. In the past, a lot of people look to their job to provide a paycheck, to provide satisfaction, to provide a boss. <laughs> having an annual review, these were the things that came to mind when people thought about work in the past. Today, people are looking for a different kind of experience in the workplace. They're looking instead from a paycheck for more than that. They're looking for a purpose um, from satisfaction. They want to be developed as people, as professionals. They want to be treated as um, somebody who is an individual beyond just their employment relationship with the organization and has a future and opportunities to develop. Um, they want to go from having an annual review where somebody passes judgment on their performance to having an ongoing relationship with a manager manager that can really tackle the challenges that they face. And they want to work for an organization that understands that their life is more than a job. 
uh, it's a life. And it doesn't mean that there have to be ping pong tables um, in the hallways. And that actually, research-wise, has proven to not be very helpful. Uh, but it does mean that you need to understand your people, where they're coming from, the challenges they face. Um, it obviously goes without saying that engagement, employee engagement, is really critical to overcoming so many of the challenges the modern workplace brings, uh, whether it's uh, challenges of diversity and inclusion, digitization, um, leading a flatter, more matrix teams. It, employee engagement drives outcomes like no other metric that we've measured in the workplace. And I'll show you those outcomes, but first, what do we mean by employee engagement? Em engaged employees are those who are involved in and enthusiastic about their work and workplace. So they're psychological owners who drive performance in the work they do. They're not people who just show up to do the job. They're people who wake up burning with new ideas for how to make the work the best it can be for the team. There's a big difference between being satisfied and engaged in a job. Engaged employees work with passion, while satisfied employees maybe do, maybe don't, depending on the situation. They engaged employees perform consistently at high levels. Satisfied employees will put their time, but not necessarily their energy into their work. They wanna just check the box. Engaged employees are looking for solutions and ways to drive innovation, move their organization forward. Satisfied employees simply just sit, wait and see, and um, uh, just kind of play it as it goes. This is the big reason why this all leads to dynamic resiliency and outcomes as an organization. Over millions and millions of uh, employees that we've uh, interviewed over decades now, 82,000 teams, 1.8 million for this meta-analysis, but we do this meta-analysis every several years. And what we find is that these are the things that happen when you have an engaged workforce. You have lower absenteeism. Um, in the healthcare industry, we've seen that you have fewer patient safety incidents. I, I won't read all of these uh, out to you, but as you can see, these are the bottom line KPIs of any major organization, big or small, um, in their respective fields on what they're actually in the business of doing. So while you have to have great accounting and great uh, 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 leadership and great vision and strategy, without having an engaged employee and workforce, you really can't achieve the KPIs you're actually setting out to achieve with all of that very important uh, planning work at the strategic level. Across the world, we know that 67% of people who have a job are not engaged in their job. So they, their relationship, their response to a very quick survey I'm going to show you next, um, basically describes, uh, categorizes them as not engaged. 18% are actively disengaged. And there's really interesting um, comparisons and research between those who are actively disengaged and those who are not engaged. Actively disengaged team members are people who are on the boat but are drilling holes in the bottom of the boat as everybody else is trying to row the boat down the river. 85% of the world is currently disengaged or actively disengaged in their job. It is the performance challenge of the 21st century. And for, emerging, for, and for um, uh, uh, developed markets like the United States, Western Europe, it's actually one of the most important areas of growth for GDP because a lot of those economies, unlike Germany, with the exception of Germany, don't really rely on exports for GDP growth. They rely on services. And the best you can do um, is to perform a better service and get more clients. So when you think about an organization and what people are looking for in their mission, whether I work for the Red Cross or I work for uh, the Lakers, 
I want my organization to focus me. I want it to free me from unnecessary stress. I want it to know me as a person, to help me see my value, to care about me, to help me grow, to hear me, to help me see my importance. So the mission and purpose of my company makes me feel that my role in it actually matters, to help me feel proud, to help me build mutual trust with the people I work with, which is actually proven to be the, one of the most important metrics for an engaged work team, and to help me review my contributions, and then to challenge me and give me opportunities to grow. This is basic, these are basically the building blocks of having an engaged workforce. There's a lot of research on this. This is the first concept of what it means to really have dynamic resilience in the people you're actually leading and investing. The other piece to this, and I'm clicking through these really quickly, um, the other piece to this is 70% of the reason or people are or are not engaged, 70% of that variance comes from one factor and it comes from the quality of their manager. And that's the second piece to how dynamic resilience really plays out in organizations facing challenges. Um, in the past, people had a boss. Today, they're looking for something that's more like a coach. And Boss to Coach is actually a book um, that demonstrates and highlights all the research that we've done that shows what happens when an organization is led by managers who are doing a lot of the things you see on the right, establishing expectations, continually guiding and coaching, creating accountability versus doing the things on the left, the very traditional uh, orthodox approach to a boss, hierarchy, um, uh, infrequent feedback, uh, free, uh, judgments on uh, work products that people are not really personally involved in. So having an engaged workforce is critical. The way to do it is to teach the people who lead in your organization to think more like a coach and less like a boss. I didn't do it justice, of course, uh, in these few minutes, but we have so much research on this topic um, that can help each person reading this or watching this um, in these times of difficulty. So I wanted to share that with you. Of course, you can always come to news.gallup.com for our latest on social research and uh, public affairs. Thanks for having me. It's always an honor to be with the IdeaGen family and be well in 2021.